Well, how many of you glad to be in God's house this morning? Anybody? Come on, let me hear you this morning. Well, as you've already heard, we are, this is day eight, week two of our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and our theme this year is power, peace, and provision. And last Sunday, we recognized that through the presence of the Holy Spirit, we have power, right, with God. Through His presence, we have power. When what God has put in us comes upon us, we have power. And how many of you uh, surprised yourself and memorized our Bible verse last week? Raise your hand. That is awesome, awesome. Congratulations. Give yourself a round of applause. And let me tell you why that matters. Our goal is not memorization. That's not the goal. The goal is, the Psalms has said it like this. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And we recognize that it's the hidden word that actually becomes the empowered word in your life. When the scripture drops from your head into your heart, it goes from a place of knowledge into a place of faith where it begins to transform who you are. And so I want to just encourage you. Uh, we're going to be looking at John 14, 27. is going to be our verse for this week. And I want to just reiterate what Nick just said. I want to encourage you, join us in the journey of these 21 days of prayer and fasting. Take advantage of learning the Scripture. Read the verse at least three times every day out loud. Out loud. Look at your bracelet, the first letter of each word. And this one is long, right? I mean, this thing goes all the way around my little bracelet there so you've got to look at that thing and recognize it and just a great way to memorize scripture I had somebody come up to me last Sunday at the night of worship and said Pastor Keith I've already memorized the verse I've already learned it this is a great resource and they were so excited about that and I'm excited about learning the Word of God and just us as a church hiding God's Word in our heart amen that we can live the life that God has called us to live so today we're going to talk about the peace of God. So as we saw that the Holy Spirit's presence empowers us, we're going to see today that it's the Holy Spirit's presence that manifests the peace of God in our hearts and our lives. So let's look at John 14. We're going to start in verse 25. And Jesus is speaking. Listen to what he says. He says, I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I have told you. Now look at verse 27. We're going to put it on the screen. I want us to read this together. We'll go ahead and get our first practice together of memorizing those verses. Let's read it together. Here's what Jesus said. Let's say it. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Let's do it one more time. Here we go. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Let's give God an amen on that one. Come on, somebody. All right, look at that first point for all you note takers. So when Jesus speaks... We must pay attention. How many know that when Jesus speaks, we ought to pay attention? 
Those words in red, if you're reading an old school Bible or you're looking at the YouVersion Bible app, you'll find out the words of Jesus are in red, right? And I always used to say it like this. The words in red, that's what Jesus said. Come on, somebody. And I, when I read those words in red, I want to raise my radar. I want to raise my attention just a little bit. The Word of God from Genesis to Revelation is significant and important, and every word matters. But when I see those words that came out of Jesus' mouth, I want to raise the bar of my attention. I want to pay a little closer attention to what Jesus is saying. So when we recognize that Jesus has spoken here in John 14, and we know, right, how many of you know Jesus doesn't lie? Can I get an amen? Yeah. Jesus doesn't lie, so when he says, I'm leaving you with a gift of peace, we can fully believe that he is telling us the truth. When he says, I'm leaving you and giving you a gift of peace, guess what? Then he is leaving us and giving us a gift of peace peace as a matter of fact the Bible says this it is impossible think about this statement for God to lie it is impossible for God to lie because he is truth Jesus said I am the way I am the truth and I am the life it is impossible for God to lie so when I read the Word of God I recognize that God's Word is truth God's Word is truth it's not just true it is truth and it's the truth the Bible says that sets us free and so all of a sudden we recognize that if Jesus said we have something then we have something right so we can have a real lasting authentic peace because Jesus says so when Levi who's now 22 years old when he was a little boy uh, and he would go to children's church, and he was young. He was early, two, three, four years old. And uh, he would get in there, and he would start doing something he wasn't supposed to do. And the people in children's church would get on to him. Levi had this little saying. He'd say, me daddy said me could. <laughs> me daddy said me could. And, of course, they all knew that was not true because his daddy said, you better behave. Amen? <laughs> One time we were at home, I was getting on to him. And uh, he was doing something he wasn't supposed to do, and I was getting on to him. He thought he was going to trump me. He said, God said me could. <laughs> I said, God said obey your parents. <laughs> but Levi tapped into something. He recognized there was authority in my words. See, my kids knew that if I said something, I'd do something. How about you? Do your kids know if you say something, you'll do something? That when you give your words, your word is your bond, your word is your life. I mean, me and Kelly, years ago, we told our kids, Samantha always wanted a little dog. She wanted an inside dog, and we, we never had animals in the house. And Kelly said, well, when we move to Arab, you can get a dog. I mean, the day we moved in, she said, am I getting a dog? <laughs> you know why? Because she knew that our word was our word. Guess what? God's word is his word. And if my son can trust my word, then surely we can trust God's word. Amen? And I want you to understand, I want you to hear that because it is your, it is, it is the revelation that we have, we have what Jesus says we have. We have what Jesus says we have. We're not trying to obtain it. We're not trying to earn it. We're not trying to work for it. We have what God says 
we have. We are who God says we are. We can do what God says we can do. Years ago, the old preachers used to say it like this. They'd say, God said it, I believed it, and that settles it. Well, then somebody came along a little while later, and they said, well, God said it, and that settled it. (laughs) Whether you believe it or not is irrelevant to the fact that it is true, but whether you believe it or not is not irrelevant to whether you experience it. Because faith is the key that unlocks the victory of God in your life. Faith is the access code that takes what God has deposited in you and manifests it in your life so that you can actually begin to walk in and experience the fullness of what Jesus purchased and paid for on the cross through his death as he redeemed us and rose again triumphant on the third day. One of the things we teach, as you heard about our encounter weekend, one of the things we teach at the encounter is we talk about godly beliefs and ungodly beliefs and how important it is that we make sure that the things that we believe are based on the truth of God and not the deception or the lies of the enemy. And one of the confessions of faith that we share with people is simply this, and it's based off John 14, 27. This was a key verse in Kelly's life. She holds on to this verse even to this day as a weapon of warfare that she wars with and walks in the peace that God has given her. And here's a little declaration we teach people. Peace is normal for me. Peace is normal for me. As a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, peace is normal Anxiety and fear are abnormal. Now, we actually think the opposite. (laughs) Most people think anxiety and fear and worry and stress and frustration is normal. (laughs) And when they get a little peace, it's abnormal. Let me tell you something. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Because Jesus said, my peace I give to you. It is a gift of peace. How many know what do you got to do to earn a gift? But you do got to open it. You do got to unpackage it. You do got to access the, the power of that gift in your life. And that's what happens through the person of the Holy Spirit. And my prayer is that today we're going to walk out of this place today not only just intellectually declaring but by faith believing and walking in the fact that peace is normal for me. When I'm anxious, fearful, and afraid, that's abnormal. That's not a place I live. That's a place the devil tries to push me to, but I quickly rebound. Come on, somebody. I'm going to quickly come back from those places. I might visit them temporally. But I'm not going to live there. The enemy might try to use the things of this world to push me and drive me to a place of anxiety and fear. But that is abnormal for me. When I find myself anxious, that's not me. That's not the me Jesus created me to be. That's not the me Jesus died for me to be. That's not the life that God purchased for us to have through the blood of his son Jesus Christ. Anxiety and fear are abnormal to a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. I hope you grab that today. I pray, Lord, just settle that in our spirits today. Let it go from head to heart. From understanding and knowledge to revelation by the Spirit that peace is normal 
for me. So let's talk about this. Look at that next point. Living afraid. Right? Living afraid is the opposite of living in peace. And the amount of peace that you possess. I actually want to change that word because we possess it by faith in Jesus Christ. The amount of peace that you operate in. The amount of peace that you operate in, listen to me, is directly related to the strength of your relationship with the Holy Spirit. You have peace. Now are you going to operate in it? The amount of peace that you operate in, operate in is going to be directly connected to your relationship with God and His Son Jesus through the indwelling, empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. His presence manifests peace. And the more you acknowledge His presence, the more you are aware of His presence, the more you walk in intimacy with the presence of God through the person of the Holy Spirit, the more peace you will experience in your life because His presence manifests peace. Years ago, Rick Burgess from Rick and Bubba spoke here at our church at a men's conference. And it was just a couple years after his son had drowned and died. He shared the testimony of how that he was, I believe, in Pigeon Forge or Gatlinburg speaking at a youth conference. He got the call from his wife of what has happened. He said, we drove home like crazy men, of course, to get there. He said, when I got home, you couldn't even get in the yard. He said, our yard was filled with people. He said, there were people all in the house. Our family was there. Our church family was there. Our pastor was there. He said, I remember walking in and my wife and us just crying. And he said, the brokenness. He said, that night when we laid down in bed, he said, my wife was looking. We were looking at each other, holding each other in tears. And he said, this is what she said to me. She said, when you walked in the room, I knew everything was going to be all right. When you walked in the room, I knew everything was going to be all right. How many know that there are presence, people's presence that brings us peace? We all have people in our lives just like that. That when they walk in the room, there's a peace that says everything's going to be all right. There's a peace that says everything is going to be all right. And if the presence of a person can bring that kind of peace, that in the loss and grief of losing a child, I can't even imagine the tragedy and the sorrow they felt. For her to be able to say, your presence gave me peace and he was just a man. Think about what the presence of God does. Think about how the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives gives us the peace of God. His presence manifests His peace. And when you listen to what the Bible says, listen to the rest of that statement. Jesus said that the Father would give us an advocate, the Holy Spirit, to teach us all things. The Holy Spirit's desire is to teach me and you how to use what Jesus has given us. Through His presence, we experience His peace. Through His presence, we experience the manifestation of the very peace of God that surpasses all understanding. John 14, just going to read 16 and 17 and 18 to you. Listen to what? Jesus said, and again, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, the comforter, the encourager, the counselor, who will never leave you. 
He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. The world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now. And later he will be in you. Verse 18. And he will not abandon you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans, he says. But I will come to you. Look at that next point. With God's peace also comes the acceptance and affirmation as true children of God. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, and He's going to come. And His presence is going to give you peace. His presence is going to give you peace. And it's going to affirm and confirm that you are children of God. You know what I love about the gospel? What I love about Christianity, what I love about Jesus, is that, is that the gospel through Christ... The walls of division, the Bible says, were torn down. See, in the natural realm, when people are different, we pull away from them. In the natural realm, we don't typically, we don't typically embrace differences in other people's lives. We actually usually step back from differences. In Lira, Uganda, we have a, we call it our CC, our Christian Care Center. We have 34 albino children that we care for, that we educate, that we feed, that we disciple, that live in that Christian care center there in Lira, Uganda. And we started years ago as God connected us with these albino children. And this is what God did. God gave us a heart for these kids. Why? Because in Africa, when that albino children was born, many people thought they were cursed. Because when you're black and you have a white baby, something's wrong. And if you're white, all the Arab people here, and have a black baby, you're probably thinking something's wrong, right? So they thought there was something wrong with the baby. And many of those albino children would be abandoned and orphaned because the parents thought something was wrong. Many of them even thought they were cursed by God. And so God connected us to some albino children. And many of the kids we're working with now, they're not completely orphans. They have moms or dads or people that are supporting them. But God gave us a heart to do that. Why? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is that God accepts us with all of our uniqueness. See, God doesn't isolate from you. God invites you. And it's the unique expression of who you are in Christ. How many, how many parents in the room? We got any parents in the room? How many know if you got more than one kid, they're all different? I mean, it's like crazy how different they are. You're like, how did all these kids come out of these two same people? And none of them are alike. I mean, they are so different from one another. Different personalities. They look different. They act different. They talk different. I mean, everything about them is different. Stephen and Jennifer are away this weekend celebrating Kenley and Keeley's 16th birthday. They're identical twins. But guess what? They're still different. And the world pushes back from that. But you know what God does? God draws it in. And the Holy Spirit, as you get born again, God affirms and confirms that you are a child of God. And here, here's what I need you to understand today. This is what the Lord wants us to see. As long as you deal with rejection, you'll never walk in peace. If you have a spirit of rejection on you, that you feel rejected, I just don't fit in, I just don't belong, I'm just not loved, I'm not accepted. As long as you have a spirit of rejection, you'll never walk in peace. That's why the affirmation of the Father through the person and presence of the Holy Spirit is so important in your life. That you know that you know that you know you are a child of God. That you know that you know that you know that you are loved and you are accepted. That you know that you know that you know that you belong here. 
not just here, but here in the kingdom. So many times we have all seen and many of us have battled at different times in our lives with a spirit of rejection. And this is what you know. If you feel rejected, you have no peace. And if you have no peace, guess what happens? You create chaos. We all know those people that walk in the room and their presence brings peace. We also all know those people that walk in the room and their presence brings chaos. Let me tell you one of the reasons why that is true. Because if I don't have peace in here, I'll never have peace out here. See, out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth's going to speak. And out of the abundance of my heart, my life's going to be lived. And out of the abundance of my heart, the issues of my life, Proverbs 4 says, is going to flow. And as long as I have a rejection on the inside, where I feel rejected, all of a sudden, if I don't have peace in here, I'm going to struggle to have peace out here. That's why blended families are so hard. And I just want to say to all of our blended families, I commend you. Kelly and I pray for you guys. We love you. We support you. And we stand with you. Because I'm telling you, navigating a blended family is one of the greatest challenges that we see families facing today. And let me tell you why. Because many times when you bring those families together, specifically with children, there is automatically, the enemy automatically tries to impose a spirit of rejection on the hearts of those children. Even if it's not physically grounded. If mom and dad both love both kids, if mom and dad both accept the kids, if mom and dad fully embrace the kids, there is still a demonic attack that comes against that child's heart that says you don't belong, you don't fit, this is not really for you. And when there's no peace in here, there's no peace out here. And what we many times identify as troubled or rebellious children are really wounded children that need to be healed of the spirit of rejection and experience the presence of God in a way that soothes their soul and brings the affirmation of the Father that I am a child of God and I belong. Let, let me tell you why it's so important you have your kids and your youth in children's and youth ministries. Let me tell you why it's so important that you have your family connected to the local church. Because they're going to school and nobody's invoking the presence of God. They're going to the ball game and nobody's invoking the presence of God. They're going to the theater and nobody's invoking the presence of God. They're hanging out with their friends and nobody's invoking the presence of God. But when they come to church, we are inviting His presence. We are worshiping Him. We are studying His Word. We are creating opportunities for the power of God and the presence of God to minister to our children and our young people. And I want to tell you why the church is holy. The church is holy because it's been set apart to be a place that hosts the presence of God. Like nothing else. Nothing else. There is no other place your child is going, hopefully other than your home, which ought to be hosting the presence of God. Can I get an amen? But there is no other place your child is going in this world that is like the church. And many of our children get isolated and separated because we pull them out of the church. And what happens is parents feed into that rejection. I just don't feel like I fit at church. I just don't feel like I belong in the youth group. I just don't feel like anybody likes me. 
Well, guess what? I can tell you without a doubt that is a lie. And if you allow your child to disengage, you're disconnecting your child from an atmosphere that is purposely created to bring healing and wholeness so they can overcome that very thing that's trying to keep them from connecting. Now, I didn't intend to say any of this this morning, so I don't know who needed it, but it's just for you. So I hope you hold on to what God just said. Because none of this was in my notes. <laughs> Look at that next point. With God's peace, not only comes that acceptance, but look at that next point. With God's peace, we, when we walk in God's peace, we respond in a godly way. When it feels like the world is against you, remember that God is still for you. And you can overcome because Jesus has overcome the world. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Let's read that together. It says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends, King James says, surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts. That's a place of faith. And your minds. That's your emotional, mental capacity in Christ Jesus. God wants to guard our hearts and our minds. Jesus said this. He said, my peace I leave with you. And then he says two things. So don't let your heart be troubled and don't be afraid. A troubled mind is an anxious mind. A troubled mind is an anxious mind. And anxiety and fear come against us almost on a daily basis. Anxiety and fear. Anxiety attacks your mind, your mental state. Fear is a spirit. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. There is a spirit of fear that wants to grip the hearts of people because this is what you and I know to be true. I'm just going to reiterate it, but we already know it. This is what we know to be true. When I am making decisions out of anxiety or fear, I'm making the wrong decisions. When I make decisions out of anxiety and out of fear, I am making the wrong decision. And the world wants to pressure us. We, we say this, and you guys have said this. You ever, you ever not made a decision because you said, I just didn't have peace about it? You ever done that? I hope you have. I've done it many times. You didn't do the thing you maybe wanted to do. You didn't do the thing that maybe everybody else told you to do. You didn't do the thing that looked right, smelled right, and even tasted right. But something in your heart of hearts said it ain't right. And it's not that it may not have been not right for everybody, but it wasn't right for you. That is the peace of God. And when you allow the peace of God to rule in your heart, the scripture actually says, let God's peace rule in your heart. That word rule means to be umpire, to umpire, to make the call. That's good, that's foul. That's in, that's out. That's for you, that's not for you. Because here's what I know to be true, and you know this too. When you are in a place of peace, you can step out in faith. 
See, when you have peace about a decision, you can step out in faith that this is the path God wants me to take. And it may not be easy, and it may not be comfortable, and it may not even be the path you kind of really want to take, but in your heart you have peace. This is the path God wants you to take. And when you have peace of heart that you are doing the thing God wants you to do, the peace of God releases and empowers you to walk in faith to do the thing God has called you to do. And when we walk in that peace, all of a sudden we can respond in a godly, appropriate way. Because Chris Johnson will appreciate this. Your response is your what? Your response is your responsibility. All the band of brothers say it with me. Your response is your responsibility. And we want to blame people. Well, I acted the way I acted because what they did. Your response is your responsibility, no matter how they acted, no matter what they said, no matter what they did. Your response is your responsibility. And when you allow the peace of God that comes through the presence of the Holy Spirit, the more you acknowledge Him, the more you, uh, you, the more you invite Him, the more you engage with His presence in your life, the more of His peace is manifested. And all of a sudden, because of the peace of God, you can respond in a way that brings glory to God. This past week, Thursday, I had an opportunity. I flew out. And we, were, we were having, I flew out and went to Louisiana to New Orleans to teach at an NRP. We just launched an NRP school of ministry. And I got to go preach and teach to our first new class of up-and-coming pastors and leaders. And it was an amazing time. And Thursday, we had thunderstorms and tornado watches. And I got on an airplane. <laughs> and so I was flying from Huntsville to Atlanta. And I got on the airplane. And we were running 20 minutes late because of the storm. I had a 45-minute layover. I said, I'm going to make it. It's going to be good. We got on the plane, we take off, and the pilot says, just want to let you know what would normally take us about 45 minutes is going to take us an hour and a half because we're going to have to fly around the storm. Well, an additional 45 minutes on top of my 20 minutes put me about 15 minutes past my departure time of my next flight. And I had to make a decision. Am I going to get mad? Am I going to get angry? Am I going to get frustrated? Am I going to pitch a fit? And I thought about all of them. <laughs> Every one of them entered my mind. And then I said, Lord, what are you doing? And the Holy Spirit said this, just as quick. He said, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I said, okay, Lord, I'm just going to walk in peace. I'm going to trust you. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, maybe they're going to delay that other flight, and I'm going to get there. I landed, got there, my flight left five minutes before I got there. I went to the little desk. They put me up in a hotel, gave me $30 to buy food that I couldn't eat because I'm fasting. <laughs> Walked out in the rain, got on a shuttle, and went to an airport, went to a hotel. And I had amazing time with the Lord. I got to spend time in prayer, spend time in study that I normally wouldn't have had. Went to bed that night, got up at 4.30 in the morning so I could be on the shuttle at 5 o'clock. That morning's devotional, out of our daily devotional, was to pray and ask God to give you an opportunity to testify of how Jesus is the hero in your life. So I prayed that prayer before I left. I went to Atlanta Airport, got there at 5 o'clock in the morning with about 2,000 other people. <laughs> And stood in line, probably more. There were a lot of people, probably more. 
I'm standing there. I, I, I'm in total peace. God, I thank you that my steps are ordered by the Lord. The word ordered literally means established. The word ordered there is not directed. It is established. So what that simply means is this, that the steps of a good man or a woman are established by God. So when things come against you, you didn't explain, you didn't expect, you didn't prepare for, God still establishes you. The fire won't burn you and the water won't overcome you because your steps are being established by the Lord. When you're walking in the unexplained, unexpected challenges of life, the steps of a good man or a woman are ordered by the Lord. I got to the hotel, I got, I mean, I got to the airport, got in line, and I'm standing there, and there's a lady standing in front of me. She's a little older than me, probably 55, 58 years old. And of course, I, I, I hello, how you doing? Good morning. <laughs> I got to talk to somebody. Five minutes into our conversation, she's crying. And then she shares with me something of a struggle that she's going through in her family, her and her husband. She's a, she was a strong believer in the Lord. Her and her husband were serving God. They were going through a horrible storm in their family. And she shared that with me. And when she got done sharing it with me, she said, I've not told that to anybody. But she just told it to a stranger in the airport. Because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I got to encourage her. I got to pray with her. I gave her my, my bracelet. I had to give me another one with Acts 1-8. We connected on Facebook. and I'm praying for her family and her husband and her. I had a decision to make. I had to respond either in peace or in anxiety and fear. If I would have responded in anxiety and fear, I would have missed that moment. I'd have missed that opportunity to be a witness for Jesus Christ. I'm not all that in a bag of chips, guys, but I am smart enough, I'm learning to be, to acknowledge God in every situation. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thy own, own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. His presence brings peace. And the moment I acknowledged him, Lord, what are you doing? He spoke. I want to tell you, I believe God is desperately desiring to speak into the storms in our lives. To speak into our frustration. To speak into our discouragement. To speak into our grief. To speak into our pain. To speak into our storms. I believe he is desperately desiring to speak into those situations. And all we've got to do is acknowledge him. I want you to look at this last point. We're going to read a closing scripture here. Y'all give me about five more minutes. Is that good? Until you can totally believe that God is for you, you'll never fully experience his peace. If Jesus is your Lord, then guess what? Jesus is in your boat. We were born again. We were brought into fellowship with God. You know what fellowship is? Fellowship is all the fellows in one ship. And we're all in this together. Amen? All the fellows in one ship. We have fellowship with God. Guess what? He's in your boat. If you're born again, he's in your boat. So guess what? You can wake him up. I'm going to talk about that. You can wake him up in the middle of the storm because he's strong enough to declare peace, the peace that you need. Look with me in Mark 4. It says, on the same day when the evening had come, he said to them, let's cross over to the other side. How many know God's calling us to cross over? He's the author and finisher of our faith. God never begins something he's not planning on finishing. 
That's why you shouldn't quit on God. Come on, somebody. Don't quit. Don't quit serving. Don't quit giving. And the Bible says, verse 36, that when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, as he was and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat in the boat so that it was already filling. Let me just say this to you today. There are winds and waves that come. Life is filled with unexpected things. But if Jesus is in the boat, you can't sink the boat. There's not enough water in the ocean to sink the boat if Jesus is in the boat. And if you're born again, you're in fellowship with God. He's in your boat. He's in your life. You're not abandoned. You're not rejected. You are adopted and welcomed into his family. Look what else it says. It says, but he, Jesus, was in the stern of the boat, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And then he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea and said, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Look at verse 40. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? I want to close with this thought. The disciples woke Jesus up out of fear. They were afraid. And they said, Jesus, wake up. Don't you care? I prayed a few of those prayers. <laughs> Don't you care, God? He's the most caring person the world's ever known. And the disciples woke him up out of fear. I want you to hear this. They woke him up out of fear. But God wants us to awaken his presence with faith. Don't go shaking Jesus because you're afraid. Let's awaken the presence of God by faith. See, when you praise God in the storm, that's faith. When you pray and acknowledge that God is greater than your storm, that's faith. When you worship God in the midst of your storm, that's faith. And the moment you begin to acknowledge His presence, you will experience His peace. You guys have heard me tell this story many times. It, it was a, a, a game changer. It marked my life. It's a watermark moment in my life. Kelly was battling with severe depression. I was at work, and, and she called me. My boss had just told me to go to Birmingham to pick up some supplies, and, and she called me and said, I need you to come home. I'm, I'm really I'm anxious in my mind. I'm overwhelmed. I'm afraid. I'm afraid I'm going to hurt myself. And immediately the Holy Spirit said, don't go. This was back before cell phones and all that good stuff. And so I'm on the landline and I'm talking to her. And I said, baby, I said, I can't, I can't come. I prayed with her. Got in that truck and started driving to Birmingham. And for 45 minutes, the devil beat my brains out. I mean, he beat my brains out. You're going to get home. She's going to be dead. And it's going to be your fault. Your kids aren't going to have a mama, and it's going to be your fault. She asked you for help, and you didn't help her. She asked you to come home, and you didn't come home. It's all going to be your fault. And for 45 minutes, I mean, he tormented my mind. And the Holy Spirit reminded me of a message I'd heard about a pastor who in the darkest moment of his life just lifted his hands and began to praise the Lord. And I'm driving down the road in that cab in that little pickup truck. And I took my right hand off the wheel and I lifted my hand and said, God, I just want to praise you. The presence of God filled the cab of that truck. 
you couldn't have put a mouse in there with me. <laughs> it was full. <laughs> there was no room for anybody else in the cab of that truck. God's presence filled that truck. And immediately his presence brought peace. And I knew that she was going to be okay. But not only did it bring peace, but out of peace, I now had faith. And I began to pray. And I mean, I warred in the spirit. I mean, I kicked the devil's tail. He beat my head for about 45 minutes. I beat his head. I beat him down. I began to decree and declare not only was she going to live and not die and declare the works of God, but we were going to fulfill every good thing that God had ordained for us. That we were going to walk out the fullness of our life and our purpose and our plan. And that we were going to complete every good thing that God had ordained for our lives. All because I lifted a hand and said, God, I just want to praise you. Praise, prayer, worship is how we acknowledge God. And the more you acknowledge His presence, the more you experience His peace. So I want us to do this. Let's just bow our heads today. Two things we do every Sunday, and that is simply this. The first thing we do is we want to give you an opportunity. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, we want to give you an opportunity to be born again. Because if Jesus ain't in the boat, you're in trouble. If Jesus is not Lord of your life, then the storms of life will sink your boat and ultimately seal your eternity separated from God. There's a real God, there's a real devil, there's a real heaven, and there's a real hell. And Jesus died that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And if you're here today and you've never been born again, your heart has never been changed, and you know without a shadow of a doubt that you're not right with God, I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm not saying you're an evil person. I'm just saying you know in your heart you are not right with God because there's only one way to be right with God, and that's through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. Not works of our flesh. You'll never be good enough to earn His righteousness. It only comes by faith because of Jesus' death on the cross. I want to ask our prayer teams to go ahead and make their way to the altar, but I want to, close, I want to do this right now before we move on. If you don't have peace with God, today you can have it. Today you can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. And you can be born again. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Keith, I want that. I want to be right with God. I want peace with God. And I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want you just to slip your hand up all across this building. Just raise your hand. Just a simple act of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's a simple act of faith. Not intellectual knowledge, but now there's something in your heart that's burning. And you know I need Jesus. If that's you online right now, you just, you just type in that chat box. I'm raising my hand. Hit that little hand emoji. We want to pray with you. And we're going to pray together right now with those online and those here that have raised their hands. And we're going to ask the Lord right now just to save our souls. When we get done with this prayer, as our prayer teams come, if you were in our four corners this morning, I'd like for you to come gather across the front of the altar. If you were in our four corners, I want you just to come right now. And we're going to open the altar up. And this is what we're going to do in just a minute after we pray this salvation prayer. We're going to go into a final song of worship. And let me tell you what this altar is today. This altar is a place of faith. 
We're not going to come to God because we're afraid. We're going to come to God because we believe that He is the answer. We believe He can speak peace to our storm. We believe that He can restore our lives. We believe that He can heal our bodies. We believe that He can say, peace, be still. And the winds and the waves obey. So in just a minute, as we go into this last song, after we pray our sinner's prayer, if you need prayer and you want to come today to a place of faith, you come. We want to pray with you and agree with you and see God work in your life. Peace, be still. So if you raised your hand online or here in this room, let's pray this prayer together. I'm ask everybody to say it with me. Let's say it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose on the third day. I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I want to be born again. I want peace with God. I receive the gift of salvation and the gift of peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. We'll give the Lord a round and clap, clap for praise. If you, pray, if you prayed that prayer, congratulations and welcome to the family. Let's go into this last song of worship as Creta leads us. And I want to invite you to a place of faith today. Let's step out in faith and come and say, Lord, I need you to speak peace to my storm. I want to acknowledge you today as my healer. I want to acknowledge you today as my redeemer. I want to acknowledge you as my deliverer. You just come. We want to pray with you as we worship the Lord this morning, Miss Creta. Sing it out this morning. Let's sing it out. Hey, right here's a place of faith you can come this morning. Oh, he's so good. Come on, let's sing his praise.
He's faithful to make eyes.